0: I'm Andy Green, and this week we're talking grief, because this is the Naked Man Podcast. This past April, I lost Chris, one of my best and oldest friends. After years of anxiety, depression, alcoholism, and mental illness, his heart finally gave out. When my mom said Chris died of a broken heart, I wanted to roll my eyes, but it rang true. And now my heart is always a little broken too. Chris's death happened right before I started this show, and it made me question everything. How could I focus on myself, my work, when my friend was gone? How can I help myself? How can I help anyone if I couldn't help Chris? I eventually did what I always do, reflection, journaling, writing, remembering. But this time I was brave enough to share what I was feeling. I wrote something on Facebook to share hard news and to honor my friend. And I was overwhelmed by the care and support I felt. For so long, I had loathed social media, but this moment reminded me of its power and capacity for good. One of the old friends who reached out to me is our guest this week. Galen Emery. I met Galen when I was a junior in high school. He was a senior. We were in a calculus class that nearly broke me. In sixth grade, I was sent to middle school for math. In eighth grade, I was sent to the high school for math. I'd always been gifted in this department. Until I wasn't, until calculus, when all of a sudden I felt inept, stupid, lost, angry. I even got a wonderful tutor who spent hours at the public library reminding me I was smart. Unfortunately, I didn't believe her. Galen and I, along with another new friend, Sarah, sat at a table in the corner at the back of the room, blying at least how I felt about myself. The class was full of brilliant overachievers who proved I didn't belong on a daily basis. The three of us became a band of misfits, three people who didn't give a shit that I wasn't even going to take the AP exam. I was just trying to survive. While we never hung out outside the classroom, I don't think Galen and Sarah ever knew How important they were to that survival to my mental well-being that neat that year so thank you galen and thank you sarah wherever you are and and little did i know at the time what galen was going through what galen has gone through since high school we have cameoed in each other's lives several times over the past decade bumping into each other when too drunk at house parties or sticky bars in the u district in seattle neither of us living out the lives we wanted When Galen reached out to me following my loss, he offered an ear. He offered his heart because my feelings echoed his own. If you ever need someone to talk to, Galen said, I'm here and willing to help. He didn't stop there. What I can say about grief is simple. The amount you feel never fades. The frequency does. And as my therapist told me numerous times, the reason it hurts is because they are important to you. Remember that as you go through your grief and healing. Shortly thereafter, I took Galen up, on his generous offer. We talked about our experiences with grief, loss, and depression openly and vividly. As always on such occasions, I wish we had been recording. Well, now we are recording. Now we are here. And I know for everyone out there listening, there has been so much to grieve over the past two years and beyond, and there's seemingly more around the corner. Grief is a lonely place to be. So I'm honored that Galen is willing to open the door to grief with me, to explore it, to learn to be okay grieving together. Galen, welcome to the Naked Man podcast.
1: Thanks, Annie. Man, it's it's uh it's great to be here. Great to great to have someone to share this with, to talk about it and expose all of the things uh that we, you know, that we can think of as as we go through this because it is lonely and, and doing it on your, on your own is, is, uh, honestly, man, it's not worth it. It's
0: way better to have partners in this journey together. Yeah. We, we need to remind ourselves of that every time, right? Like it's not (laughs) needs to be tattooed on our forehead so we can see it in the mirror. But I mean, I don't think you can, can you do it alone? I mean, I I agree. I, I don't like to use the word should, but I feel like you shouldn't try to do it alone. Um, but I mean it's just it's just lonely. That's what that means. <laughs> I I think it would be weird
1: to to go and try to deal with grief in particular alone. I think a lot of the 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 pain we feel in life, a lot of it you have to process on your own to a certain extent. But like grief is about the loss of someone. And then to try to do that on your own feels kind of antithetical to the loss, right? Like like, I don't know that I could get through grief by becoming a hermit, right? Like, that doesn't feel like you've gotten through it. It feels like you've isolated from it versus
0: resolving it. Right. It's it's more of an avoidant um, or like, I'm not going to get hurt again or, yeah. or, or someone has, you know, that I care about. I love all of the things and it's really hard to keep living or wanting to live or feeling like you deserve to live without this person there um, or... I mean, yeah, I feel like there's just a million reasons why you want to retreat into yourself. And maybe even because I feel like it's, yeah, you want to go outside of yourself to find someone else that feels the same way or is is exploring these experiences or someone who has a safe uh, backboard for you. But I also understand the motivation behind, oh, I lost someone. I'm not going to talk about it with anyone because that person's gone. And the only person I want to talk to is Chris or uh, I will, I guess I'll name drop, your, or do you want to say yeah. who you'll be thinking of for the most part in this? You know? Yeah, I mean,
1: there's I think there's two people in my life that I think about a lot in these. And one is my really good friend from high school, Corey, uh, who also uh, died functionally of a broken heart, right? Like, you know, uh, I don't know all the details of, of of how he passed away beyond the fact that he did. And he was, I mean, early 20s, right? Early mid 20s, like something just crazy dumb. For for age. And then my mom passed away. Um, uh, she had passed away about uh seven months before that, as a matter of fact. Ooh. Uh uh at 65 or so. Um, and so like, you know, those were two people very critical to me. Corey, I think is my Chris, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like my one of my, if not my like true best friend, right? When when I think about my male friendships in particular, I actually compare them most of my relationship with Corey in terms of the openness and honesty and the ability to, to make each other laugh and experience things together. And then like, like learn from each other, right. Like, like grow and become better men and better, better people.
0: Yeah. And challenge each other. And, and, and I think, and that is, I mean, it's rare to find that with, I mean, I think anyone, but I mean, my experience and one of the reasons why I started this was like, yeah, I had trouble doing that with men, uh, especially, um, when younger, so to find that in high school and in college and, and then, and it's also like every new friend now has this impossible standard to live up to. I'm sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, it's, I mean, like, I don't, like, I don't mean like my light of it, but like you can do it with men if you want to do it in anger. Right. Like that's totally allowed. That's easy enough to find people to be, to be angry with you. Right. You know, <laughs> or, or sad. Add, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, but like trying to get into like sadness, right? And 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 grief and just like experiencing heartbreak, right? Like, yeah, you get those moments maybe between relationships where people will be like, yeah, man, but like most of it's not really about your emotions. It's like, hey, you go process your your crying and your sadness. And when you're like ready to go party, like let's go party. Right. Like <laughs> like, you know, like that's really what like our friend groups want to do in those situations. They don't want to help you through the the pain because they don't know how. They don't have the 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 tools for it. Right.
0: Right. Or I think a lot of times they don't want to make a mistake. They don't want to piss you off or upset you. Um, And I know whenever that happens, I don't know, in a lot of times, and I've talked about this, I feel like in every episode in some way, but I feel like there's a lot of minimizing emotions in male friendship of like, when I am upset, when someone pisses me off, it's my fault because I'm taking it too seriously or I'm too, whether it's competitive because it was a game or something, we're all having fun. And then all of a sudden someone does something Upsetting, insulting. It's like I'm not allowed to be the, the rules change based on, you know, who I'm the one who can't get angry, sort of a yeah. thing. Um and we can only get angry about like bullshit, stupid ribbing on people things. But then when someone is actually angry because you upset them, oh, you're overreacting. Um and I know in high school there would be slurs attached to that, perhaps not with friends, but like people in your class. A hundred percent. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, it, you know, I think, I think for many years and we still experience it, but you know, the, you know, obviously the insults there were homophobic, right. You were, you were less yes. of a man, right. If you, if you experienced sadness and, and upsetness and like, you know, you reacted emotionally to a thing and like, Oh, why are you such a pansy? Why are you such, you know, like, like, right. why, like, 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 why would you respond that way? Like only, only weak men respond that way. Right. And to, and to like, and so like you internalize that, like I internalize that at least to be like, look, well, obviously I can't expose that. Right. That's not a thing I should, I should expose. And some of this for me actually goes all the way back to my childhood of like the rule in the household is if you were throwing a tantrum, if you're upset, you excuse yourself from the group, did what you needed to do. And then came back to the group when you could be functioning again. And mm. I, there's a lot of benefits I got out of this as, as a kid and as a young adult of like, Oh, okay, you you learn a very quick ability to compose yourself in situations and be like okay i can go deal with this thing but it also and i found this really through therapy is that you bury so many emotions that you just don't deal with right and it's not to say that you need to deal with them in the moment maybe you don't maybe it's not the right time to deal with them but you need to deal with them right like you don't get to just to hide them forever because that's how how the anger shows up right you know
0: yeah yeah. Like, it's not like your parents or whoever. And, and and I think I've had similar things, uh, where it's just like, Oh, go in your room journal and sort of explore what you're thinking. And, and like, and also maybe we can talk about it when you're calmed down. Cause I think the, the, yeah, maybe a tantrum isn't the right time to have that conversation, but it, it does sort of feel like a shaming thing. Go to your room for being upset. Right. Um, and, and I think most cases, however old you are, there's a reason you're upset and maybe, Your the parent, your sister, whoever it is, your friend disagrees or doesn't see from your perspective. But it's like, I think I'm now like, I'm not going to apologize for my feelings. Maybe I am seeing, I'm not seeing it all, but that feeling is real. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I think that does sort of teach us that like, Oh, we can only, we can only be back with other people when we've sort of swallowed the emotions and we're not crying anymore or when we're not, uh, being a pill, you know, or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which is, I think my mom says that a lot. Being a pill. <laughs> I don't know if I've heard that in a while. <laughs> I, I haven't. I don't heard that one from from my from my parents, but
1: I definitely had uh, many many friends growing up who like whose mom in particular would be like, oh, you're being a pill. You are know, like okay, I don't I never quite understood it, but uh, there's a value in being able to recognize you're upset and respond in a way that's appropriate to the situation, right? Like you know, someone insults you in, in, in a room, you can be like. Uh, I don't like that. That's not, that's not acceptable to me and, and walk away. Right. Like, I think that there's, there's like, there's, there's a bunch of conflict avoidance stuff that, that is, is useful to be aware of around your emotions, because if you're not aware of them, that's how I think you get into fights and otherwise, you know, do things that aren't really what you want to do. Uh, But there's, Mm -hmm. there's, there's the line between that and like, and again, like that, that, that shame over feeling that way. Right. And and I your point, like, I'm not, I don't apologize anymore. Like, no, I'm, I am upset here, I am allowed to be upset just like you're allowed to be upset when I do things that upset you, right? Like, like that's okay, we just need to have this conversation in an adult fashion, right? And if we're not able to, we gotta call time out and say, hey, like, I, I need five, I need 10, I need, I need an hour, I need a day, right? Like, I need the time mm. to come down from the emotional toll of this to be like, to be able to stop and, and take a look at the emotions and say, okay, this is, this is what I felt. This is what I happened. And then this is like, one of the things as well is, is that I language of, I felt this way when this happened, right? Like, I'm not saying you made me do anything. Mm. I'm telling you what my experience was in the moment. And like, you don't get to argue about my experience, you know, and we could talk about intent and talk about all these things, but like, you know, I, one of the best ways I heard it at work a while back, we we're talking about intent and, and harassment and, and all the things in, in workplace stuff these days, uh, was like, look, intent matters. And own your impact, right? Like that's not to say that like intent is is nothing. Intent does matter. And even if you didn't attend a thing, and it hurts someone, own the impact, right? That thing happened, and it's on you to decide how you want
0: to resolve that going forward. God, there was a lot in there. I, I um, and, and that <laughs> that I that I language is actually something I talk about with. Uh, Kyle a lot, who was the first guest on the show and, and one of my best friends. And, and cause I think, and I'm sort of almost going to do it and just to sort of explain, but it's almost like we, we uh, ta- like distance ourselves from other people uh, or, or from us saying something by like projecting it. And I do this all the time with my partner. Um, and then we also come onto those moments of timeout. It's so hard for us to know in the moment that, oh, we've reached the point of, like productivity, not that, you know, we need to be efficient about things, but it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, we're not like, this is, you, we're not listening anymore, or we don't mm-hmm. have the capacity to listen to. It's not that, right. and I don't even mean really anger. It's normally just like, we're both upset uh, and sort of, we need to process and, and come back. And I guess that is sort of maybe what the parents were trying to, you know, in those situations go uh, you know, let's do a timeout. But in that scenario, they're sending you to your room to do it as a punishment. Not we both are sort of nodding our heads. Okay, we'll come back. Stay tuned for another episode. Yeah. Like <laughs> when uh, the brain's back.
1: The, the last thing on, on like the, the punishment side of it is like, this is the clues that I should have had that I'm an extrovert, right? Like if, I, if I'm totally happy going to my room reading books, then, then why would I be upset that I'm not part of the party? Right, like, like these are the things that, like, as an adult, I picked up upon, and like, oh, that was like, a, that was sort of a punishment for me, but also, like, it, it, like, that's part of what I didn't learn about it, right? Is that I didn't, like, nobody sat me afterwards and said, hey, like, look, let's talk about your emotions now, right? The party's ended, you know, people have left, like, let's figure this out, and like, how do we, you know, help you, right? You know, or at least if if that happened, it, that was so disconnected from the event of being sent to my room that I didn't understand. That the room was just to give me the space to to calm down enough to be part of the group, and then and then experiencing the emotions later was totally okay,
0: right? that was the that was the disconnect that I definitely felt growing up. I feel like, yeah, I feel like maybe the that I am an introvert is that whenever I did a tantrum in public to like it was to get out of the event that I didn't <laughs> want to do, it was just like, oh, you're not listening to me that i I hate this. okay. So it's like, it was the reverse. So in a way, getting sent to my room was sort of what I wanted, but I made a show of getting there. And then I think, and then once you're told to go to your room, you don't want to go to your room, even though that was like maybe the plan um, going on. Cause then you're giving in and uh, yeah. Um, well, we sort of, we jumped the, we jumped the, the river here past the way I like to start things, but I feel like we're already sort of going, but I'll, I'll just, I'll ask the question just cause I feel like I'd be cheating the show without asking. Cause I want to make sure we're on the same page, especially since we're going to be talking about feelings. Uh, so Galen, how are you feeling in this moment right now?
1: Overall? I'm good. I'm, I'm a little sad as I've been thinking about this, uh, this event coming up and just in general, my life, I've had a number of really great things happen to me in the last uh, couple of years overall, really. Uh, but, uh, you know, anytime I have a good thing in my life, I think about the people in my life I don't get to celebrate that with. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so like that sadness is just kind of sits, uh, a bit, especially on, on big life events. Um, and, uh, so like that's, you know, that's, that's the overall, like, you know, look, it's, it's good. It's again, as I, as I said, in my message to you, like the fact that you have the feelings is that they're important to you. And so like, that's, uh, something I used to, to kind of center myself in those moments,
0: but outside of that, man, dude, things are, things are great. A, it's, it sounds like good things have happened, but in a way, what, what, it, what you're sad about is that you're not able to share that with people. And, and with, and I'm assuming with Corey, with your mom yep. or whoever, cause yeah, those are the two in particular. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, wh- uh, can I ask what the
1: events are? If that's, that uh, yeah, man. Like, so in the last year I bought a house here in, in San Diego. Uh, Woo. I started a new job directly after that. And then I just got a promotion at that job in about a month ago. Um, so like all of those things together, are all big events. Um my relationship with my partner has been fantastic. I've been really enjoying that. So like, look, man, like I like I'm enjoying my life and like I got to go to Europe. And like these are all things that either I would love to have Corey to join me on on several of these things and like would have loved to share these stories with my mom. my mom always loved my successes, right? Like there's a there's a lot of pressure in my life in my in my in my family to be great um in, in pretty much every way. But like when you had a good success, mom was actually pretty good at at least when I, as an adult of like being pleased for me, right. Hmm. Um, particularly professionally, we were, we a big professional family. She was an accountant, like those, those events in particular, the professional events are the ones that like, she would just be giddy for me. Right. And, you know, promotions oh. and doing jobs. And like, and, you know, just like, you love having those people in your camp,
0: right. Like those are, you know, it's yeah. always great. Oh, that's so I, well, I do know that they're both proud of you. I do know that. And I'm proud of you. Cause that, I mean, it sounds like an awesome thing. And I think for me, this will like, I have that thought too. Cause it's like, what if they never see when I'm actually doing this sh- like good things, right. Or like, you know, maybe the last thing, I don't know the timeline or whatever, but yeah, like if someone didn't met me in the 18 to 22 and that's all they knew, uh, well, I don't know. That's not, not exactly the same thing, but it's just sort of like I do. Want, that's when I'm feeling shitty about myself and how, like, how little I've come or something. And I'm worrying mm. about the future. I'm just like, oh, you know, I'm never like my parents or whoever is never going to actually see me do good things. Although, but that's me sort of cutting myself down um, or even. But in, in that, it's sort of me saying, like, oh, it's going to happen eventually, but maybe everyone else will be dead at that point. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Or, or I will be. But uh, I don't think that was really here nor there on that. But yeah, that I think, is, you, I think yeah. You, you take the steps where you get them, man.
1: Like, you know, and, and you know, uh, I, it can be hard to look back and, and see both how, how shallow or, you know, how, how short it feels you've come without really understanding the, the size of each step right? You know, you, you feel like you're you're not making progress, but man, dude, like, like those things too. Like when you, when our, in one of our first conversations, you're like, yeah, like I feel bad for the guy I was in 1822. It was like, yeah, I, I don't remember you being bad. I just remember you just being, you know, a drunk college student. Like I was right. Like, <laughs> like, like at least in any of our interactions, it was like, yeah, it's just like, it was just like, there's just, like, just another dude, right. It was just another guy. Like, you know, Hey, I know you're from high school. Like, yeah. Hey man, how's it going? Cool. All right, cool. How's the other go? Bye. Like
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's, uh, I feel like that probably a lot of it is in my head, right? Or a lot of it was just me wanting to not be just another d- drunk college <laughs> dude. <Right. laughs> or thinking that I was better than that, or even acting like I was when I was sober, but then just being that asshole all the time. I mean, I loved to play beer pong and stuff so much because I loved, because I like I didn't look like a jock or a bro, and that was their thing. And I love to beat them. <laughs> if I could, and cause I was good at it, but then I became the, you know, the jock bro of drinking games because I was good at it. And it was, and it filled me with, you know, drunken confidence. And it's sort of like, I sort of became the enemy, uh, in some ways. Um, I've definitely talked about that in therapy on multiple occasions. <laughs> um, but in terms of how I'm feeling now, I will say I'm not nervous, but it's sort of like, I I feel like I had to schedule this with you to actually allow myself to do this in some way. Even the stuff that we're talking about, sometimes I think I'm, tangent, I'm taking tangents away from grief because to me, I mean, it is, it's, it is sort of intangible. Um, that's what sucks about it. But it's also like I, I tend to, I'm very reflective about a lot of things, <laughs> And especially my failures, but this, I feel like sometimes I have a block or I don't allow myself to, cause I need to be, I mean, here I am, I'm the host of a show. So even there I'm baked in, I can't be completely vulnerable or lost, even though I don't, I don't think I'm lying or doing anything, but you know, like, even when I lost Chris, my first thing was I need to host a remembrance for him. Cause his funeral, like, wasn't going to reflect the Chris I knew, mm. And that a lot of people couldn't go because of COVID anyway. So like doing a Zoom thing. And that was really important to me. And I'm proud that I did it. But everyone was, and I created a safe space where everyone was doing that, except for me, right? Because I'm just like, oh, yeah, passing sort of the baton. Um, and it, um, So I, I'm just pausing to be like why do I do that? But I mean, I think I wanted to give people a space and then I don't think I'm like holding myself back, but in a way it's like other, I hold other people. I want, yes. And then let, you know, and I'm going to sort of that act of doing it did make me feel better. Um, and and sort of connected all these people.
1: Yeah. Do you feel it was, uh, your ability to take an action in, in
0: helping the thing, right? Like, yes. Cause isn't that what I think grief a lot, a lot of times feels like helplessness or uh, well, especially, I think we both have connected on this, that it feels like we we need to be sort of productive or like need to be working. I mean, you mentioned that your mom was very career oriented, so I'm assuming it maybe come came from her. Uh, so it's sort of, that is connected to this too. Like, Oh, I have to do something or like, I can't be unproductive or whatever. And then, and then, yeah, I just wanted to like make I guess something hard for myself, but, but it's also something I knew that I'd be good at. So, but yeah, I think you're right. It was like, okay, there's, this is something I can do. And of course, at the end of it, I was like, oh, I wish I recorded it. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> no, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I didn't. That was a, uh, that was supposed to be one and like just ethereal, yeah,
1: I, I, I'm i grateful that Corey's funeral was not recorded yes. in in the sense of like, and this is one of the things about like, I mean, not to get us off the topic of grief, but like, there's something about the moment that's just the moment you're not gonna like you, you like, that's it. Like you, you've got the the event, and and there's a, a fear and a risk there. Like, am I going to do this person justice? Am I gonna, am I gonna present them and remember them in the way that they sh- that they should be, that they should be honored uh, in, or or not? And and that that risk that moment is terrifying. I remember being very terrified before going up to speak at, at Corey's funeral. But I also like uh, for my mom's funeral, I, I did not prepare remarks, but at Corey's, I did, and I still have what I wrote and I still read it occasionally. Um, It's one of the few things that actually exists in my fire safe of like, this stuff is important to me. That, that is the moment. And, and, and particularly in grief, I think there's, there's something in there that I really like of like, you don't get back the moment when you got the phone call, right? Like, like Mm -hmm. you don't get to go to the before times. There's no time before the call that says your friend is dead or your mom's in the hospital. Like, that doesn't exist. And so if you can get as close to, you know, the, the perfect memory of them in a moment, right. If you can get to that, that for me, that speaks a lot about my ability to, to, to honor
0: them. Right. Like that's beautiful. Yes, I agree. Like, (laughs) uh, and, and then, you know, and that's what my sort of desperation to like, have it in a, like a, in an igloo or a, uh, a, uh, a, what's this, a snow globe. So I could like look right. at that memory forever. And yeah, I of course didn't mention that how terrified I was for this whole thing. I couldn't sleep the night before I prepared as much as I could without preparing in some way. Like I was like, I didn't want it to be completely written, but I was also like unable to sleep because I was writing it. So I was like, okay, I, like I'll wake up at three in the morning before this thing and just do that. And yeah, it went really well, but it was so hard. It was so, and it was so draining. And like, I basically thought I was going to sleep for three days after. I think I just laid down for 20 minutes and then it was sort of like, I guess I'm back, but like, I, which doesn't feel like enough time. Uh, (laughs) like, like my body will sometimes like
1: a nine hours of sleep. I'll wake up groggy. And other times I'll have those 20 minutes and you're like, okay, buddy, I guess, I guess we're continuing like like something in the Neanderthal part of the brain, the reptilian parts, like, no, man, you got to keep going right now. Actually, like you don't, you don't get
0: to lie down. That's not, that's not what today's about. Right. It's, it's time to hunt and gather something. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Not your emotions. Right. No, yeah. yeah. Uh, don't heal up for that. I mean, I, there probably is some, you know, of that happening too. Like that wasn't what we're supposed to be doing for evolutionarily. I, I imagine if the saber tooth tiger
1: just killed your friend, your, your time to grieve is not in the moment. It's after you've outrun the tiger. Right.
0: Like, <laughs> Well, in that scenario, at least your grief is really short. I feel like you're, you're pretty done too.
1: <laughs> right. Um, you hope your, your friend was, was a big enough meal for the tiger.
0: Yeah. I, you know, Oh man. I was going to say like, maybe I'd want to be the first one to go in that scenario. So I don't have to live with any of the grief for at least that one minute. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, I guess that does sort of go into the, I mean, we're sort of like circling, but I think that's sort of how grief feels like to me, actually. It's sort of like, sometimes it's very vivid and close. Like Chris, I can see him or I remember stuff that we did or talked about, or I, you know, good and bad or regrets, but then other times I don't think about him at all or don't remember that he's even dead. And then it's like remembering it all over again that, yeah. um, but I, yeah, I mean, I don't really have a, the circle, it was just a circular thing to say. I didn't actually have a, Ooh, I mean, no, I
1: no but like, I think section, like, but like, like take a moment, like, how does it feel like, like, because I, I think that's a very important, component of this is that grief isn't constant in the way that it, it, it's like when it first happens, it's basically constant, right? Like you, you're living in it, you're experiencing it, particularly with some of the, you interact with on a regular basis, right? Like, like, you know, you have a gaping hole in your life. Right. And, you know, I don't know how, how much time you and Chris spent together, but you know, before he passed, but I know that Corey and I did not spend a lot of time together, uh, in those months prior. And so like, it wasn't, like after the initial like moments, after the initial weeks and, and months or so, it for me, it's, it's, it's not like, you know, I think about a Monday through Friday. It's like, oh, I go and pick up, you know, some a new video game. Like, oh man, like Corey loves Smash Brothers. Right? Like, you, you oh. see a thing. And, and, and for me, again, a lot of it's in my brain of like, I want to share this thing with somebody. And you're like, oh, the person who I most want to
0: share it with, I can't. Right. Like he's, Mm -hmm. he's not there to share it with. I, I mean, I have that obsession of like sharing things with people in the moment too. It's what takes me out of the moment. A lot of times. Yeah. Like happens a lot when I'm listening to music, I'm like, this song is so great. I need to send it to five people and I'm like no longer listening to the song. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've forced myself now to be like, listen to the whole song first, Andy.
1: You ever been Um, with friends and just like watching YouTube videos yeah. After like the third video, it's like 30 seconds in the next thing is like, no, 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 I'm going to show you the next thing. Like, like nobody's actually looking at the thing anymore. They're thinking about the next thing. Just like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, I hate that. I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah. I've never, I've never been a big, like, let's swap YouTube videos person. I don't know. But maybe that's why, because it's sort of like, yeah, we're already thinking about what's next um, or like the other person like, oh, I can top this. I have i think the sort of the same experience in terms of chris and 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 it happens i would say uh, with my my grandmothers too because i was you know i lived with my granny uh for a few years in tahoe and so that so we were really close and i got really close with grandma as well uh on my dad's side so it, it just like those are the probably the three people that i carry the most and my dog Bandit. Like I, that was the that one is the like the one I cried the most when Bandit. Like and but that's cuz I'm sort of I was there for the putting down thing and that mm. was in uh and it was also like right after I had broken up with a girlfriend and was moving to LA. So it was just like, oh, every like my childhood and all the bullshit was all over. But yeah, with Chris it was like the next day was that. Like it was just crushing, but then I think then I was like had to do something about it, and that was sort of so. Then I have this this event, this uh, remembrance that occupied you know my fears and anxiety were were into that. Like, ooh, how am I going to screw this up? Which is a familiar fear and anxiety that I have for myself, and that's more comfortable than like, fuck, like I am not going to get a call from Chris again. And what you're saying about Corey, like haven't didn't see him a lot. Toward the end, I imagine that probably was really hard. Or you like that was where maybe some of the regrets came. Or like, oh, what? Like, had you got? Were you further apart toward the end? Or is it more or less like life gets in the way? Like life does.
1: Yeah. Like you always like like remember when we were kids who we are like yeah you know, like oh you always regret the choices you don't make right the, the things that is you know things you don't do and as as a kid even up to my twenties I'm like whatever like you know I'm just gonna live life man I'm gonna have no regrets ever. And then you have, you have those moments where like Corey had called me a couple weeks before and it's like, Hey man, I want to see you I want to hang out. And I didn't call him back. And like, part of it was that the Corey that I loved and the Corey that I knew wasn't quite the guy he was at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he was definitely, uh, uh, had some, some big problems with pain and, and pain management. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, I, I know this, I know that part of my brain said like, do I really want to deal with the chance that Corey may not be well enough to hang out the day that i that i like do i want to make time for maybe my schedule and then like get the disappointment of 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 him not being there and um and so like i i know that i delayed calling him back and and setting up time for it yeah life was busy i had moved back into town two months prior you know two or three months prior and like i think i'd seen him once since i moved back but like certainly we hadn't been hanging out we didn't live far from each other. We're used up in, uh, uh, up on, uh, 105th. And I was over, like 95th. Like it's just, it was just, it's just dumb. Right. And you look back and you're like, you could have, would have, should have man. Like could, could me have been being there for him made a difference in any way. Right. Like, and, and this is my, like, that's my regret is that I, I wasn't the best that I could be. And I don't, I don't know. I don't have any pres- presumptions that like anything I could have done would have changed the outcome. Right. But I know I wasn't my best. Right. And that's, that's all I can ask for out of myself. And, and
0: i I let myself down in that moment. I mean, I feel, I mean, even now it seems like you're being hard on yourself. Cause, and I'm, I am saying this knowing I have the same thing. Uh, so, but it's like, I think the best part about a good friendship is knowing that your friend isn't going to be at their best all the time, right? So to expect Galen to be at a hundred percent, even though I know we, that's what we think we need to be or should be to be whatever, happy, successful, a good friend, but that's unrealistic. And and the point, but I had Mm -hmm. everything you said was like very similar to Chris where it's like, I would sort of dread his phone call or I would be like, Oh, I wonder what version of Chris I have. Like, is he cogent this time? Uh, you know, or, um, I don't know, like he, he seemed to save his best moments for me because I was the only one who called him on his shit. Uh, and that we, and we had to have a moment because I did have one of those calls where alarm bells went off. It was like Saturday night with my wife. And it was, I mean, I think just girlfriend at the time, but it was, you know, it was our Saturday night is a sacred night for us. And it was like, I can't answer the phone, but I knew something was wrong. It was like, oh no. And I'm in my immediate thought was like, I think he's trying to commit suicide. Like that's like where my head goes. And then the next morning when I'm, you know, uh, ready to talk to him, that's exactly what like he tried, you know, he, how he said it was, I tried something stupid last night. Um, and then that was when I was like, okay, Chris, we can't do this anymore because then every time he calls me, that's what I'm thinking mm-hmm. could be happening. And it was sort of, I mean, it's nothing about fairness of that, but it's just like, I, I can't be that. <laughs> that's it was too much. Um, and, but thankfully, like it helped us get to a better level of honesty. Um, but, but I, yeah, that's, I think that's
1: super important. I, I, uh, I have been on the other side of that phone call and I had a friend of mine who I would call when I was depressed and suicidal and she would help me through it. And at some point she called me and she's like, I can't like, mm. you have to get real help. I'm not in a position to help you. And I think it's super important that you tell that to your friends when you're at, when you're beyond your ability to give them help, right? Like, look, what you need is greater than what I can provide. Right. And I, I can't like you, you, I want you to get
0: real help. I don't want you to sit here limping along with this because it's not helping anybody. Right. It just makes us both feel guilty and shameful. Yeah. Like he, he felt guilty and shameful every time he called, I'm sure. And I know, cause he would apologize every se- sentence basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would try, I would try to like be like, no, no apologies on our phone calls. Like we're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, it was just. I mean, that's what it did. It, it was like, it wasn't, I mean, it was Chris and that's the thing. Like, I think he rallied for our phone calls, but it, you know, the difference with Chris was that he was in his uh, depression and alcoholism to the point where like, that's all, he didn't, he wasn't doing anything else. Mm-hmm. So, and and that sounds sort of judgmental, and, but in the fact that he could call me 24 hours a day right. and, and that's, but and then I'm just like, okay, I'm just, I have to, you know, do other things. And then you just think like, what's more important than a person than like, Oh, I'm, you know, going to the gym, I'm, you know, picking up my laundry or whatever like errands you have. And and it's, and of course it's not like this black and white scenario where it's like, Chris's life is on the line. You have to do it. I mean, that would be nice if it was that clear, I suppose, but nice is not the right word, (laughs) but uh, it'd be easier. I suppose. It it would be simpler if it was that clear. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I
1: don't know about you, but like, part of me like almost resents that like, like, like you. I, I've had those moments of like feeling almost resentment to my friend who like put me in that situation. And you're like, look, I'm I'm trying to live my life here, and like, I I want to help you, but I can't always be like I'm. I'm not always there for you. Like like and like, and, and, and this is and then, and then you're like, what the fuck, man? Like that person's going through like serious mental like illness, like, you know, either illness or, or pain or grief, like, like their own things. Like, who are you to, to, to like, want to go watch Netflix, right? Like, it just feels so mundane. And when you do those things, like, I, I've definitely had those moments of like, what am I doing? This is, this is so not worth my time, let alone like excluding them from, from this. Yeah. That's right. a whole
0: different set of feelings within this. Well, I was going to ask you, cause I mean, you mentioned when you were having, you know, dark days and, and having suicidal thoughts and that you had that conversation from the other side. I I was just curious, how did that, like, how did that hit you when she like, and very bravely had that conversation with you? Was that like a light bulb thing? It was a light bulb moment.
1: Uh, I've been very fortunate to have a couple of light bulb moments in my life where, where I've had those situations where things just kind of click. And, um, that, that was certainly the probably, that was probably more than anything else that went on in, in high school in my life, then that was probably the moment of the start of my recovery from depression. The moment that I said like, okay, I have a real problem. I need to tell a real authority and I need to tell my mom and like go to the doctor and get help. Right. Like that was the start of the, of that piece. And like, don't get me wrong. It's not like, it's a, Oh, like light bulb. Great. Like, ha ha. Like, you know, Gail's back, like no, back to yeah. Gail now. Like, No, no, no. They're like the darkest days were ahead of that. Like this, like my, I tried to take my own life that happened after that conversation. Right. But like, it was, it was that, that final dip after all that stuff happened is is when that was when that occurred. Like, as you're like. It was like the first five days of medication, right? Like that's like a really dangerous time, honestly, right? Because like mm. you you now have things that are changing the chemicals in your body, and like your like your doctors like like that's that was it for me. That was the dangerous time, and like after that, that was like okay, like I feel more balanced. This is like this is better, and and you could start figuring out like oh okay, I can I can get out of this thing, right? But man, like that, yeah, like that conversation was a light bulb of of I am causing hurt to other people it's not what i want they're not able to to to, to help provide for me and and they like the things i'm asking for aren't things they can give me right and so like i got to go find where can i actually get the things that i need right and it's it's not that simple for many people like i i'm not like but that was
0: that was what my experience was Right. And I, I mean, I, but I, I think that is a kind of it. It's more of a, an acceptance or a re, it's, that was the awareness moment of like, oh, okay, this problem isn't going, I can't solve it on my own. Right. Or, or with, uh, you know, your friend. Uh, and that was, and I think that is sort of like an abdication of responsibility in a way, or like, this is easier than going to get meds or a therapist or psychiatrist. And you, but you also, the other way, I couldn't get Chris to do those things or like, I would, he has to do it. Right. And that's the only way I don't blame myself every day is like, I do know that that is true. But, and then, but then I get angry about the society that we are in and where he, you know, doesn't have a job because he has mental illness, but then he can't have insurance and then he can't get, you know, so it's just like, he's screwed. Um, And of course he doesn't believe that he deserves help because of many other sociopolitical elements in his life. So. Yeah. Yeah that, yeah. that spiral, like it's, it's
1: dangerous, right? Is, is, is the short of it, right? And, and like, and there's something really, like, morbidly fascinating to me about the fact that the people who are most, prone to that of, like, total self-worthlessness, right? Total, like, I've talked about this about my depression before, like, to want to commit suicide, you have to believe that nobody loves you, nobody cares about you, nobody will miss you, right? Like, that's part of the structure is, like, you are being selfless, like, by taking your own life, which is the weirdest goddamn thing to anybody who who is not suicidal, but, like, but that's the mindset that you operate in to, to convince yourself that this is the right thing to do. And, and, the weird part about it is like the people who, who I've seen that in, like both personally and and you look at like Robin Williams and, um, you know, Chester Bennington, like they're lights of people's lives, right? Like they themselves are so enigmatic and amazing. And like, you, you just kind of go nuts, being like, don't you see who you are? Like, don't like you are not the person who you claim to be. And if you, if you could see that, man, like hopefully this
0: wouldn't be a problem for you. Right. Right. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, I think of, I thought of Anthony Bourdain as well. Oh uh, man. Another great example. Yeah. And, 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 but I, I, it also, I always connect in that with that in, in and in a way that scares me because nothing's ever enough, uh, <laughs> you know, or like I am a fraud. Like I don't, you know, not that I've ever, you know, I'm not the genie in, in uh, Aladdin, but if I ever was, I don't think I would ever feel like I deserve that. And that sort of like feels yeah, that's when you sort of have that imposter syndrome, but also like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. Like, I don't deserve, you know, kids to love me on this way, even though he what he is the lo- like. I'm thinking, yeah, obviously Robin Williams in that scenario. Yeah, but he's sick, you know. Like, that's we're all, you know. And I think, and and you were sick, and in, in that moment, and, and Corey and Chris were as well. There's some, but like I, again, like I mean, you want
1: to talk about it like from the the male perspective, right? Like yeah. again. A lot of the stuff that we have, like you, you hear about these folks and you hear about their struggles internally. Like you know about Chris and, and all of his struggles, but like, like I guarantee you that the, some of the people who who loved Corey had no idea about his struggles, right? Zero idea, right? Including people in family and and whatnot. And so like, there's 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 a so much in our culture. To your point earlier about like all the things that like add up to make this a difficult problem to solve, particularly if you don't have a job, particularly if you don't have money, if you don't have access to resources. Right. Like all of those things add up and you're just like, God damn it. Like what, like, like how, how is anybody supposed to get through this thing? Let alone people like who have to fight to get somebody to, to even see them, to get the medicine that they need to be, you know, to, to, to have a conversation about the medicine they need, not even just to get it right. Just to get through a therapist to be like, Hey, can we figure out what's going on here? Like, is this bipolar? Is this depression?
0: Is this something different? Like, you know, what is this? Yeah, even when you are curious about yourself, even when you are trying to help yourself, even when you know there's a problem, the bureaucracy is so dense and terrible. This is making me think of uh my wife who was trying to find a new therapist and the the system was so awful, so terrible through I think like Blue Shield or whatever, Blue Cross. I don't know, it's like both now. Fuck it, fuck if I know. Um <laughs> they 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 need more help than the two of them um but basically we spent a whole afternoon she asked for help and and cuz she uh, and so i join in think cuz i tend to be you know more patient with that scenario uh but no it ruined our whole sunday and i think we were like she was in tears and i was furious cuz it's like this is we have insurance she has really good insurance like that's the one thing being a teacher gives you um i mean gives other things but but yeah, it, it's just so frustrating. And then and that's with someone who is lucky enough to actually have sort of the ability to do it, yet it's so hard. So you can only I can only imagine for yeah, for someone like Chris or Corey or or whatever, like because you're well, A, you haven't even that's why they don't want to do it. It's mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we want it to be a phone call and someone fixes you uh in like this, and then but obviously we know that's that's what you're saying, the light bulb moment doesn't exist. It's like every day. Working on yourself. Well, that was things like like when I was in high school and I had that moment. I had the
1: fortune of being on group health, and like my mom had the right plan that was just okay. Go see your doctor, fill the test. Oh yeah, man, you are really depressed. Like okay, here's some antidepressants. Like here's referral therapy. Here's a therapist. Right. Like you're gonna start seeing them in two weeks. Right. Like like that was the structure when I was a kid on my mom's health insurance plan. Right. And like. Was that therapist the best therapist I've ever worked with? No, right? Like I, I ended up finding better ones later on in my life, but like, but that was the start, right? And like, that was like, like that, that barrier to entry is, is actually such a critical component of, of mental health, right? Like there's a bunch of foundations and, and nonprofits that work on this stuff. And that's a key component is like, look, you, you just gotta get moving on it, right? Like you gotta get those first steps. And if you hit that shitty Sunday afternoon, right? With you and your wife who are motivated and, and successful and like have access to things, and it still pisses you off. Imagine, you know, our, our friends, like, like Corey would probably be like, no, nah, man, I'm gonna go play some Smash Brothers. Like, like, screw this nonsense. Like, like playing Smash Bros. makes
0: me feel way better than calling the insurance company and arguing with Medicare for five hours. Right. Like, right. Well, in that also quest- you question your resolve at that point, yeah. say, Chris, Corey, whoever they do admit that they have a problem. And I think this probably happened every day for them. Right. We're like, Oh, I need to get help. I need to do something about this. But then you make the call and it's not easy or like you have to do something else. You have to fill out a form or you don't have the form. And then at that point it's easy to be like, okay, I, this is, this is bullshit. I don't, I don't need help that bad, you know? And I feel like that, I'm sure that's happened way too many times and it's, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's Um, awful to think about the people who like, who have lost Merely because the system didn't help them get started, right? It's just like, man, that's, yeah, that's that's depressing in and of itself.
0: How does grief feel in your body when when you're in it? Like, do you know, like, does it have a feeling or is it mostly... In your head, uh, it it sits
1: like chest to throat for me a lot. Like it's the uh, honestly, like it it, is. Like I almost best describe it. It, It's the feeling before you cry, Mm. right? Like it's 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 that spot. That's that's the spot that I that I feel that I sit in a lot. In part because it's hard for me to cry. Right, it takes a lot of like conscious thought almost to like bring myself to tears to let things out. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where it is for me. What about you?
0: Where where do you feel it? Um, I mean, I know I, I, the stress is always in the neck, but I think it's sort of a similar place. It's, it might even be a little bit lower, but it's sort of, it does sort of feel like that feeling of about to cryness or like almost like a it's a, it's almost like a, 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 jump scare of a, of a fright. Oh yeah. Right? So it's, uh, I mean, I waves like that are, description. Yeah. Waves are always a description, like what I think of cause it sort of just feels like you just get decked by one and then it's like back to normal tides or, <laughs> or, or whatever. But, um, and, and maybe the fear is that you get drowned, like you'll drown in it if you God. accept the wave, but you need to, you, like, or not you, I need to, because you is that that's what the the I language, right? Because that that is the fear, like, oh, I'll never come up again, if I actually uh, feel these feelings. And most of it is because I just don't know what I'm feeling. And that, like, and, and for the most part, I'm very erudite about my feelings. So when that happens, it's much scarier. Uh, and it's just like, uh, yeah, I don't like what you said about crying. Same with me. It's like, I, I have to try or like even the awareness of like, my eyes will water. That'll happen. I think a lot. And then that'll be like, Oh, I'm about to cry. And then I think just the thought of that ends it and it's almost, yeah. And it, or it's almost like similar to getting out of the moment. I'm like, now I have awareness and it's like, do you really want to cry? And I'm like, and a lot of times I do, but then it's too late or like, I'm like, I, I, missed it. And it's like, which doesn't, that doesn't make sense, but it, that's what it feels like. Oh, it's, it's like when you, when you, when you
1: have that word on the tip of your tongue, except like it actually matters, right? Like, like the word on the tip of your tongue usually doesn't matter for anything, but, but this is like, uh, it's the, it's like a sneeze, right? It's, it's, it's that like the body is about to do it and then it doesn't. And it's, it's like, the feeling of it not is even worse than if you had, right? You're like, Ugh, like I, I feel, I feel grosser now having not finished this, this like this
0: sneeze, this cry, than if I had. The sneeze is a really good example. That's that is sort of what it feels like. And, and I, have, I think I have a, like a couple of friends that like have these sneezes that are very distinct because it's like they're holding them in, mm. and I'm always like, oh, dude, just like let it out. And it's like, but that's the same thing with the crying and. I think sometimes it just has to force its way out. Unfortunately, like I, I'm trying to get better at like noticing when I just need to cry or need to at least give myself the space to get there. Uh, and maybe that's just sitting, laying down, doing nothing, you know, and that is sort of my version of crying too, probably. Cause I don't allow myself to do that.
1: Yeah. Like when I, when I feel that building up enough, my, my method is similar, but different, but I've I've written functionally some diary entries to to Corey over the years since he passed, uh, addressed and given given to me as advice from, a, from my good friend Britt, uh, how she dealt with some of her grief, and and I've written them for my mom and, and other critical people in my life as well. But like, I will go back and reread some of those while listening to music that that will help me experience grief and sadness. Right, like you know, I essentially like a grief playlist. Like that's like that's the thing that I sit in right? And I, I use that to center myself into that. And I have to be alone. Like, I have to be like nobody in the house alone, right? Like, yeah. like it's, it's basically impossible for me to, to, to let other people be around in those moments. Yeah, it's like, it's just, it's hard. That's the thing is like, I can talk about this stuff and my depression and about all this stuff all day long with anybody. I have no problems being open and honest about it. I think it's really critical to be open and honest about it. It is still almost impossible for me to actually experience sadness, even just with my partner, like just crying with like with her in the, like
0: just not a thing that I'm good at. It's very, very, very hard. It's, uh, it's interesting that like there was this time where I, I cried in front of my partner and, She was uncomfortable, even though it's normally the dynamic is the other way around, like to the point where, you know, we've talked about in therapy of being like, it felt like a defense mechanism for me. But then I realized how amazing it was that she was able to, that's how much she's feeling and it's showing and she doesn't want to cry, but it's coming out. And I recognize that there was far more strength there and that I was reserved somehow or that I can't access that. Um, But I remember when I did she did sort of like she has been programmed the other way of like, oh, you know, it's uncomfortable when men are crying and and didn't sort of know what to do, but also didn't realize sort of how much that I was feeling um, in that moment. But I think I have the same thing. Like, I feel like I'm, whenever I trail off, it's like when I'm sad in this episode and it's like, and I'm like, want to give space to it, but I'm also like, well, I don't, it's not like I have that, I'm holding in a sneeze feeling quite, but it's sort of like, dead air is uh, not, we can't have dead air. Like I have to keep talking. <laughs> but uh, like dead air, dead air is important, right? It's, it's that
1: moment for the space, as you said, to, to breathe. Your experiences mirror my own, right? My, my girlfriend, yeah. uh, like the few times, like uh, she definitely does not come from a family where men cry, right? This right. is not like, that's like, I want, I want more of that. Like, not that I want to cry all the time, but like, I want to have the ability to, to do that. And like, if and when we have kids, like, I want them to have that too, right like yes. I think like, that's the world that I want to live in, right right, you know what's bad about grief for you? like what are the parts about it like that like you don't think help you or you know or, or you're concerned about as you experience your grief because, because it, yours is much more recent, right? This is all you know within six months for you, and I'm now staring down ten years,
0: yeah, and I was gonna bring that up that sort of we are kind of coming through but at the same time it that it goes back to that circle thing where I feel like probably you know, next week, could it be a day where it feels like Corey died yesterday? Right. And, 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 and that's sort of all, and same with your mom and, and, and that, or like, does it get to the point where like, if someone just says their name, does it feel like that?
1: Uh, it, it, like for the most part, it's just like, no, no, no. That happened a while ago. Like it's, it's, okay. it's for the most part. It's like, like if somebody just like brings it up in conversation or whatever, like, is like, you know, like my mom in particular is, is the most common, right? Because people are like, oh, like, you know, like, you meet someone with a new, for the first time. You're like, oh, my parents are up, up in Seattle. You're like, oh, how's like, you know, what's your mom do? It's like, oh, she passed away 10 years ago. And you're like, oh shit, I'm sorry. Right. Or like what, what I actually kind of perversely enjoy is like, uh, when friends will make like a, your mom joke, uh, before they've had time to really get to know me. Because it's not something you bring up. It's like, hey, I'm gay and my mom's dead, right? It's not like it's not like a part of your intro to, to people. But <laughs> yeah, but I like, <laughs> yeah, right? be <laughs> a super weird way to introduce yourself. But like those moments are the times when like my family loves jokes and, and, and loves humor. And, and mom certainly loves uh, all of our humor as well. And so like it's a nice moment to kind of remember her by, by giving them a bit of grief. Because all you got to do is <laughs> just be like, my mom's dead. And they're like, what, really? like sometimes like like i have a couple of my friends who like who like piled on thinking i was joking because it's all over text i'm like no no no, really like you know june 2011 they're like oh shit (laughs) you're like yeah uh and so like you know like look i don't i don't get offended in those moments I, i don't think that like that makes sense to me certainly not what mom would have wanted but it's like i don't know those those are the moments where i'm like mom I got one for you. Like, you know, I, I got a joke on the, on the counter.
0: Like he added like a point
1: there. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Adding a point to the, to the list of of total uh, jokes that mom has made uh, hilarious in her, in her life.
0: That seems like, yeah, a fun way to sort of turn it around to be like, that's when you have the power in that scenario or you and your mom, it's like a team uh, thing and it's uh, making other people uncomfortable instead of yourself. That's I love. Yeah. Well, especially, I mean, in that scenario, those guys deserved it. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, but you you asked me sort of the bad, if there is something bad about grief. And I, and I don't know if good or bad is necessarily. Uh, is, uh, let me rephrase it then. Is there something that you
1: dislike about your grief? Is there something that, like that, that's not working for you or not doing what you want out of it?
0: I mean, in a way, it's almost that I dislike that I'm, it seems like unable to. Or maybe this is just an, another extension of me being hard on myself, right? Where it's like, me, it feels like I, I'm not grieving right or properly, <laughs> and it's like there is there is no grieving right or properly. Uh, but like, it just feels like, oh, you know, if I'm okay, and it feels like, mm-hmm. and if anything, I'm the best version of myself that I've been in a while. That doesn't. That feels like I'm not grieving, or or like I'm not. Sad enough, or I'm not feeling enough. But in a way, it also, in a really, I mean, you don't want things like this to happen. And be like, oh, this is. It inspired me to be better. Like I was like, I have to be better for Chris, and you know, and that is, I think, a good thing. Even though I, I don't like that. It's not that I needed that moment. It's just sort of I was already on the train, and then I was like, I could. It made me want to stop when it happened. I was like, oh fuck, I'm not ready for this. And I'm like, no, I have to keep going. Like. And so that's, I think if there's a good thing about it, it's that where it's like, Chris is going to be a part of this thing, whatever I'm doing, he's a part of it. And then in terms of what I dislike, I it's it's that trailing at the end of the sentence where I'm like, there seems like there needs to be a, some good content right there and a period at the end. Um, but it's mostly like, I, I think it's, I'm not yet, there in terms of knowing the feelings and, and getting those and I still the anger would still come out or the the fear and I'm I'm still not I, I dislike that I don't actually let myself feel it I think and, and and that I don't maybe know what that means how about you or if you have a follow
1: up I I think your experiences mirror my own uh as we've been talking about this entire this entire time um <laughs> but I you you talk about being too hard on yourself and you know, like the, the best version of yourself as an example. Right. And, you know, yes. in earlier you're like, dude, man, like you're being hard on yourself. Right. Yes. And I, I, I am, I, I definitely hold that moment as, as a thing in my brain that I use to gauge whether or not I'm responding the way I want to when people mm-hmm. ask things of me, right? Like I don't want to miss opportunities And it's not like that I go over tilt and I go like, do you want to go skydiving? like, yeah, like, you're like, 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 it's not like I'm like the yes man version of like, just do all the things, but it's, it's like, am I going to regret not doing this? Right. Like, is, is this, is this a thing that I should just do? It'd be better if I did it than if I, than if I didn't do it, particularly seeing people and making time for people in my life and, and, and all that, like all of those things, because dude, as an adult trying to make friends and, and make time for people, it's, it's hard. Like it's not, it's not like college and high school where like you get, you know, hours of time stuck with somebody in a room and then you have to spend more hours studying the stuff you're just you know taught, right? Like you don't get those interactions. Like when you meet coworkers, they're, they're you know, anywhere from, you know, under, you know, 10 years younger than you to 40 years older than you and their own lives, their own, you know, structures, right? You're not, you're not thrown together in the same way. So all of that to say, like, what I haven't liked uh, is when is, is, is times. And I spent a lot of time in therapy on regret on really coming to terms that anything I could have done to, to be better. Like, the thing is like, it's like, yeah, I, I regret a bit that I, what I didn't do in the moment, but what I really focus on is what I can do in the future. I think mm-hmm. that's the, like, but like, even where I am in, in the, re- the regret side, like it took me a long time to get away from guilt to say like, like I felt responsible for his death for a long period of time in in the sense that like I I felt that if that I could have been there, right? Like I, I could have, have prevented this, right? And that was hard. That was really hard to, to work through. Like, I don't honestly, I don't think I'm fully worked through it, right? But like. That living in that regret, or and like I don't spend a whole lot of time like living in the past and you know wondering like you know like you know going through you know photo books and you know like oh I remember all these times like you know just like you know sitting in that sadness. I think it's important occasionally to do that, but like I don't do that on a regular basis. I live my life, I do my things, but yeah, man, like there, there's there's a part of you that goes well, the person that you, that you love, like they would want you to be your best self. That's part of what made them special in our lives. Right. Right. they're helping us to be our best selves. And then there's that part of like, well, they don't, they don't get to continue that journey anymore. So like, why do I, you know, like you get that dichotomy
0: inside of you and yeah, I don't like, I don't, I don't always like that. I, I was going to ask you why do you think you do hold that sort of regret? Like, I mean, you said you're still working on it and it's like, it's sort of still there. I mean, this is maybe the very therapist Andy sort of being like, mm-hmm. so yeah. what do you, th- why does that serve you?
1: When I, that's a good question. Why does it serve me as a good question? And I don't, I don't know that I have a good answer for why it serves me. I can tell you why it's important to me. From talking to people after Corey's death, um, a couple of us uh, uh, like that night I were gonna to people at a bar and then we had a wake uh, a few days later talking to people I found out that only I think two or three people saw and knew the medications that Corey was on mm-hmm. and knew the extent of his pain and knew the extent of the opiates that he that he had to take to manage it and it really wasn't until years later that like as we started hearing about the opiate crisis in in full detail that like it all really clicked right and i don't Know exactly how he passed away. Like I don't know if it was an opioid overdose or, or other things, but like I do know the risks and the things that I saw in him, right? And mm-hmm. I know that there are only two, three people in his life that also saw it, right? And so it was one of those like I had the lens, I I had the information, and I didn't and I didn't do the thing with it, right? And again, like why does it serve me? This goes back to the like I want to be the best version of myself, and and part of it is that. When I see things that shouldn't be, or that I can make action upon, like
0: I want to do that. I don't want to be passive, right? Right. Oh man. Let's see, there's three things there for like that. I that I was responding to and feeling it was one that I mean. You say that the best friends the, and why they're the best friends are they they help you be the best version of yourself. And in in a way, the memory of Corey and the memory of your regret is actually helping you do that. Yes. It, every, every time you have an opportunity, you are intentional, you, you, you think about it like, and, and with intention and, and don't let it, like you said, not be passive. So that sort of feels like in a way, the like I'm trying to answer the serving you and you can tell me if I'm bullshit or not, but it maybe is You're hundred
1: percent. Right. I, I yes. think
0: acting with intention is,
1: um, is a thing I hold very near and dear to my heart. And Corey, even more so than my mom, is a part of that desire in me, right? And it's like, and like I also like I balance this with like I only have control over my own actions. I've I've believed this for years. The space I work in, like it's important to like have that. Like, like, look, you just get to control yourself. That's it. Like that's all, that's all you really get in this world, honestly, is, is those things. And so like those two pieces together allow me to be like, look, I'm going to be positive and, and purposeful and get things done and be active. And if it doesn't go the way that I went for, all I can do is look at the situation and figure out what I could have changed and go and go forward. Right. Like sure. that's all you really get to do.
0: Yeah. Try to learn from it. Yeah. Um, and, and in a way, does it feel like that's Corey's voice talking to you in those moments or, or like you could, I could see that as like, this is core, like the energy of Corey. Like if I'm having, and I, and I feel like maybe I've gone there with Chris too. Like if I'm having doubts about something, or if I'm afraid to do something, I feel like Chris has come up. And I mean, I get sad and I, and I, I get angry maybe, or I sort of just forget myself. And that's actually a good thing. Cause then mm-hmm. I come back and I'm like, and, and I don't think I, I've ever done this consciously, but in this moment, it just feels like you're right, Chris, I can do this or I might as well try. Like, who knows? We'll find out. And, and that sort of feels similar for you. I don't like, I, yeah, I, I, I would hundred percent agree. I think if, if I were
1: to describe like my first meeting of Corey, like Corey was the first person I met who was like a confident geek right? Like a confident nerd, right? Like he worked out and he was fit and he was good looking and, but also into playing video games and building his own computer and, you know, land parties and all the other stuff that I was into. And so, so a huge component of, of my personality is, is modeled after his a hundred percent. I 100% wanted to emulate him uh, and his success in, in, in having girlfriends when we were in high school, right. And early college <laughs> and like, and this thing is like, he wasn't predatory. Like, like, he was a fantastic human being all the way around, super genuine and caring all the way through. And so, like, it was this, it was one of those times in, in your life, where you're like, oh, you, you actually can be not the caricature of a nerd or the caricature of a jock, but somewhere in between, right? Like, and I've had a few of those moments in, in my life as well. I, I had a coworker years ago when I uh, started working in the sales side of the house, this guy Dustin, one of the most beefcakey looking dudes you'll ever meet in your life, right? You're looking at him on the street rides a harley right like but man <laughs> you talk to him one-on-one one day i said a thing that that hurt him and he called me out on it and like he was truly emotional it was a really important thing for him and he was able to do it openly and honestly i was like dude this is a guy that society looks at as like man you are just a jock you're just a dumb jock dude but he's like no I, i'm i'm not you're important to me. I need you to know that. And you're like, yeah, man. Like, and like, it was able to tell me that honestly and openly like, those are the kinds of people that I, that I love to have in my life. And, and Corey was 100% that. Right. And so, yeah, like, I think you're right when that you're talking about, you are know, channeling Chris's personality into your own. It's not that you aren't you. I think it's, it like, we're all pieces of all the things we've picked up in our lives. Right. And right. so like, you know, you're taking whatever that is from Chris that works for your voice and your thing and applying it and, and and going from there. But yeah, it's like, they're a part of us. They're never gone.
0: Right. Well, in a way, you know, I mean, I think we probably both did this to, And I know I did it with Chris all the time. I tried to convince him how great he is. Right. I was, you know, and I was just like, like, cause he would say, I'm, the worst person in the world, Mm -hmm. Andy. Like he he said that on multiple occasions and it was just like, there's no rational way that's true, obviously, but there's like, he wasn't rational, but it was just like trying to poke holes in that was sort of pointless, but it was just, but now I feel like in a way that memory is sort of going back. Like it's really hard. Like when I'm being too hard on myself, he was the same like way back, but I could more easily believe it than he the other way around. Where Chris was like, you're, you're great. You're doing, you're doing awesome. Like every, you know, I love you, you know, and stuff like that. Or he'd make it, you know, he'd be really awkward and not know how to say it because he's, that's how he was, but that just makes you laugh. And and then that was sort of what we all wanted and needed. Um, and so in a way it's like, yeah, I guess roles reversed or, or Mm -hmm. I'm sort of trying to take that lesson that I tried to teach him and I wouldn't take myself, uh, you know, (laughs) Turns out the best advice we give is usually the stuff we don't take, right? Like (laughs) exactly. I think we both put ourselves on trying to be the best of ourselves. We mentioned that a couple times. And I was also, I was thinking, like, I think we need to actually allow ourselves to not be the best of ourselves sometimes. And 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 you know, if we have a shitty podcast, it'll be okay. Um, you know, I can cry about that. That actually is something I can cry about maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't think we, I don't think we we're having a shitty podcast. I think we're having a great conversation and I wanted to, where I think, loop back around to the end here and, and sort of the cool down question that I like to Before ask. Before you get
1: there, oh, I got yeah, I got one thing I want to add to the stigma side. My oh, brother yes, put it perfectly yes. when we talked about this stuff. You don't, tell someone with a broken leg to walk it off. Right. Like, like when someone has a physical injury, you know, like a broken leg, a broken hand, broken arm, like, you know, and you go to the doctor, you go get it fixed. Well, this,
0: some, a lot of men don't,
1: I'll say A lot that. of men <laughs> don't. <laughs> it's true. Right. Yeah. But like, but like, but the things that like, even that are like, like, yeah, maybe you don't, but like your friends would tell you to, right? right. Like, like go, go to the doctor, man, go get that leg set. I can see the bone, right. Like, you know, like let's, let's not be dumb about this, but when it comes to mental health, that's not the answer. It's, Oh, walk it off. Oh, stop being a pansy. It's, you know, Oh, grow up. You're being too sensitive, right? Like that's the response we give when it's a mental break, but it's not the response we give when it's
0: a physical break. And there's something really wrong about that. Cause it's, you can see a broken leg, right? Yeah. And I think we're, we're just not imaginative enough in some (laughs) ways, uh, you know, to imagine the pain or the empathy, but, but yeah, I mean, even when you are saying that I was just, I'm thinking of, Whenever I'm actually taking care of myself among guy friends, I'm actually made fun of. You know, like mm. I, I bring a water bottle with me everywhere I go. It's like Linus and Blank and Blank, <laughs> and I do that because I am always a little dehydrated. It feels like, and I also sort—I think I have a fear about like not having enough water. And it's also like it's water. It's the best thing I could possibly do. But it's sort of—I think I remember you know getting. Joked, uh, you know, about it. Oh, like, oh, do you have your water? You know, like, oh, make sure you don't forget, you know, and sometimes I do forget my water. and then I'm actually scared. but like, I can't admit that, you know, and but I've also had like a heat stroke when I was like overweight and and out of shape in, you know, ninety five degree softball practice. you know, so i I've there's a legit fear there. It doesn't even feel like physical maladies are we're allowed to sort of <laughs> have either, or like it's sort of like, oh, going to the doctor's office is like not manly. And it's just like, so stupid. Uh, you yeah. know, cause like, Oh, I can make myself feel better by taking care of myself. This is something that took me a while to learn. And I think my partner helped a lot and, and, and good friends. They're like pointing out things that you can do to improve your life rather than just being like, Oh, my life's supposed to be a little shitty, you know, right. or like, I have to have pain because pain is what life is. And yes, that's true, but we can alleviate some, you know, it's not all pain. Uh, <laughs> should, um, it hopefully it's not all pain. Yeah. No, no. And if it yeah. is give some, give uh, go to a doctor, please. Galen, I'm really excited that we ex- excited. sounds like the wrong word in terms of the circumstances, but I, I'm, it sort of feels like another reason, like, a good came out of this and it makes me feel good that we reconnected through this and, and that you, you know, sort of, yeah, you, you threw a a line out. And I think before I probably would have ignored it, you know, and now I'm like, can't ignore those because not every person says those things a or means them. And so it really meant a lot that you, you know, showed up. For me and, and you know, it's not like you said you didn't have my email address we weren't that close <laughs> right um but i i feel close to you right now and i and i wanted to ask like how can i be the best friend to you going forward and what do you value in a friendship yeah man uh i feel
1: similarly what i value most are are a the people who challenge me right and help me kind of grow and have discussions that that have meaning right like yeah man it's fun to talk about the show we watch but but it's way more interesting to me just to figure out like, how do we take what we have in this world and, and move it a step forward? Right. And, and sometimes it's two step forwards, one step back and like, okay, you know, let's not, you know, let's not cry over it. Well, unless we want to cry over it. Uh, but, Ooh, but like, us uh, no, <laughs> like, cry over it. We yeah. Let's all it. cry over it. When, when you, when it's, when, when you want to cry over it, but like, but let's There's no appropriate. Yeah. We're just crying. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah, we, we when you, when you <laughs> want to cry, you cry. Um, yes. this was, this is a topic that I felt very dear and dear, uh, about for a number of years from my own mental health journeys. And then obviously with the, my own grief and, and, um, so again, like I, I acted with intent in that moment and, and I believe it strongly. And like, like, again, like, you know, <laughs> going back to calculus, like, yeah, man, you, like we were the misfit toys in that corner, right? Like everybody else is taking like full AP exams. You know, I'm a senior. You all are basically everybody else in that classroom was a junior, right? Like I was like, I was the old guy in, in, in the room in, in the advanced calculus course. So that's <laughs> like, that's hilarious, but it's just like, it was just, I don't know. It was, it was nice to have somebody who I struggled in that class too, man. Like we, like you know, and I, I had similar experiences as yours growing up, being told how smart I was and, and how good I was in math and all that. And I think going back to your question, of how to, how to be best friend? Like, look, there's a lot of information that comes at us always. My only ask of, of my friends is that, like, if if we're going to cross paths in our travels, as you as you and I spend time occasionally in Seattle, or if you're down here in San Diego, call me up, man. Let's go hang out, right? Like, that's that's what I ask for. Um, just to be, just to be in the thought process as these things happen. And like, as I come up to LA for, for work and stuff, uh, I plan to
0: seek you out as well. I, I love that because I mean, there's, that's sort of like the minimum, you know, sort of like keep me in your thoughts when the opportunity arises. It's not like you're asking me to, Hey, drive down to San Diego right now to hang out with me. (laughs) It's like, if you're in San Diego, let's hang out, let's grab a beer. Let's, or a hot dog or whatever the hell you do. I don't know. That's part of the- It's San Diego. It's tacos. It's tacos on the beach, man. (laughs) Yeah, it wouldn't be. I don't know why I said hot dog. Uh, I don't even, I don't want a hot dog. So that was, that was a a bad improvised answer. I will say, there is no bad answer, but that one, This I'll take it back. We'll get tacos on the beach. And I think that's sort of the awareness back of like, I will say sometimes there might be a scenario where I'm in San Diego and I don't hit you up. It's not because I don't care. It's because there was, I was with my family or mm-hmm. there was something else. So like, and that happens I think more so in Seattle, cause there's like so many things ter- like pulling me apart. So it's like, Oh, I can't do everything. And it's never a personal thing. So that I think, and I think you understand that. So, but that, that to me is important. I think for friends to know it's like, Oh yeah, I would, fit you in. I try to fit too many things in already. If I can't do it, it's just how the thing worked. I've had to adopt basically like a, especially like
1: when I came up to Seattle for work, like I was in downtown Seattle, right. And we're from uh, you know Edmonds and like everybody's on the North end. And I'm like, cool. Well, I'm here for work. I'm here Monday to Thursday and I don't have a car. So if you want to hang out with me, like, you got to come down to Seattle. And they're like, no, man, I don't know. I don't commute down there. And you're like, yeah, like, I'm sorry, we can't make this work. But like, it's not because I don't want to. It's just because it, it's not quite, it's not like I'm I'm up at home, you know, from when we were in college, right? And I'm 10 minutes away, right? It's, it's not the same situation. So no, I, I 100% get that. and And I've made Many, many stealth trips to Seattle in in the last seven or eight years of my life. Like <laughs> straight up, uh, I cannot tell you the number of times that like either friends or family did not know I was in town until after I had
0: left. That's a good. That's a good strategy, and I don't. I don't think you're a bad friend for doing it. I think you're 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 taking care of yourself, and that allows you to be a, the best version or a better version of yourself.
1: Well, and like, is there value in telling somebody that you're in town and you can't see them? Right. No, like no, like like I like maybe a little bit. Like like you know, maybe you call and check in with them and talk like, yeah, I'm in town. But like like I wouldn't call up, I wouldn't call my friends and be like, hey, I'm in town. And by the way, I actually can't see you. So
0: bye. Yeah, right. Like, like that's just the weirdest. <laughs> it's just a very teasing, like, haha, you can't see me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's for, for some attention. Yeah. I I think I, I've talked about sort of doing that, and I definitely have done that for certain yeah, sectors of andy's past um because there's like five different groups even in seattle and like a hundred overall it's exhausting but i care about all of them i just have to you know figure out figure it out um yeah. but in your scenario if their friends want to see you go drive to see you that's yeah then they can't ask you to put all the effort when you're the tourist in that scenario right. so that made me angry on your back. but it, it shouldn't it should make <laughs> you angry
1: because like a lot of people have kids they have families right they have established that like, makes me angry kids. galen no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> you know so it's 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 like look i i get that like that thing is, it's been nice is that i i think everybody is in my experiences in my in my friends at least the ones who stuck around as friends like look you recognize it, it doesn't always happen right? right and that's cool and like i'll you know like the next trip that I get, especially the ones I get up there for fun, like I'll make it a point. Right. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll actually remember to call you two weeks ahead of time. You know, when I'm planning the trip through, you know, and be like, Hey, I'm actually yeah, like, going to <laughs> be in town in a, in a few weeks. Right. Like that's the thing too about work trips is that some of those would just show up like
0: three days out ahead and you're like, cool. I have no time to let anybody know anything. Uh, that's what I need. I need notice. I need like, <laughs> so, I mean, you can hit me up if you're there, like, Hey, I'm gonna be in LA tomorrow. I know it's late notice but, and obviously you wouldn't be hurt if I say I can't do it. That's the thing. Uh, yeah. Whenever someone just sort of says like, Oh, Hey, I'm in LA. Do you want to do something? I'm like, if you wanted to see me, you would have given me some heads up. And and Mm. sometimes it might be that scenario where they didn't have heads up, but it's just like, I, you know, I have a life. Like, I'm not just like, Oh shit. Galen's here. Uh, you know, sometimes that might be perfect. Like, Oh, there's a Saturday night. Like Lily's out doing something. Let's go see a movie. You know, get a hot dog. This this is where we're getting the hot <laughs> dog. Um, anyway, that's enough friend talk. I I think we're we learned a lot more about friendship though there too. So indeed, indeed we did. Um, so getting a lot of
1: good stuff today.
0: Yeah, we did. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with me.
1: Uh, absolute pleasure, man. Not to say that you know we are. I don't know the right word to use here, but like, like I'm, I'm grateful to a certain extent for the, the experiences we've had that have allowed to each other to come back into each other's lives. And like, it's weird because like, would I prefer that, you know, your friend and, and my friend and my mom were so like, of course, I prefer like, anyway, like, but I'm, I'm grateful that we've been able to take those experiences and turn them into opportunities for each other. Right. And yeah. I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to come on here and, and talk and, and share the story. And I got I hope somebody out in the world, you know, gets to be better as a result of these conversations that you're, you're doing here, man. Like I, I men's mental health is,
0: is such a, a important topic to me. And I think it shows in, in every every pore of your being. I'm the only one who can see it, but <laughs> I see it. Uh, no, I, and I didn't mean to make a joke to like uh, downplay you, but maybe that was some masculinity right there. But I know I, I I can tell and it's like, it's moving to me because I, I feel like I'm sort of, you've been here longer than me, I guess, in terms of grief, but also I think in sort of the mental health, I, I was in denial about that for myself for so long, but then- this situation and and the world has sort of forced me to take notice. And and I want anyone to reach out if they need help and and we can hopefully get them to the right person. Because I I know I'm not the right person, but there are people out there that are. So yeah, Galen, I am grateful that we had this conversation and I look forward to more. Uh, And maybe not always under the same circumstances, but at the same time, we obviously have something in common. So uh, let me know if, you know, Corey or mom is, is, you know, it's, it's one of the, the, the hard days and I'll, and I'll try and do the same thing to you um, with Chris. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Absol- yeah. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. What stands out about Galen when I listen back to our conversation is how seriously he takes this subject and how devoted he is to mental health, and how understanding. The generosity and curiosity that it fuels in him is inspiring to me, and I hope to everyone else out there listening. Thanks again, Galen, for joining me and trusting me, and to you all for listening. You can find Galen's soundtrack for Grief and all other Naked Man soundtracks on the Naked Man Spotify page. If you like what I'm doing, if you like what you're hearing, do me a favor, share it with someone. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell everyone. It would mean a lot to me. If you'd like to join our community, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Naked Man Pod, and don't hesitate to reach out to us at nakedmanpod at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts and feelings you'd like to share, call and leave a message at the Naked Man phone line at 747-231-7120. Next time on the Naked Man podcast, the designer of the tie I wore at my wedding, Marcel P. Ames, the small business owner of the brand X of Pentacles, a bespoke Neapolitan tailoring line that crafts incredible clothes. In the meantime, as my dad always says, be sweet. This episode of the Naked Man podcast was conceived by Andy Green in collaboration with Galen Emery. The Naked Man is a podcast hosted, created, and produced by me, Andy Green. All music was composed by Robert Panico, and all graphics were created by Christopher Miles.